So there's a question on dealing with uh, sensuality and lust in particular. And um, it says, uh, when, uh, when mind affected with lust is active, I try my best not to give in uh, by having cold showers, exercising, breath counting meditation, and other activities such as avoidance of perceptions that inflame the lust further. When enough time passes, the active lust is gone, but the lust is still present in that dormant sense. I have not cured the lust, but I have dealt with some of its symptoms. So then, what is the cause of lust, or what uh, is lust a symptom of? The cause of lust is being activated from its dormant state, um, seems to me, seems to be, me carelessly attending to uh, lust inflaming perceptions, but then even if I'm careful, still lust is there, waiting in the background, pressuring me to activate it. Such awareness and restraint are quite exhausting, and the only way I know how to relax is by doing the very thing I'm not trying to do, which is to activate lust. So, what should I do? Uh, so, yes, sense restraint, not acting out of lust, not aggravating the situation further, as I say often, that's the first step. All the other things that are done here, uh, that are described here, are kind of on the level of management of lust, which obviously, that is obvious to this person. And uh, the real problem of lust is the, that fact that it's... Um, that dormant state, how it refers to. So it's kind of the possibility of lust is uh, always present. And that's what the Buddha said, like it's not enough to just not have lust present in your mind throughout the day and so on. You also need to keep reviewing your mind and questioning it in a sense that you want to see whether non-arisen sensual lust can arise. Because... If you're unsure about the answer, means it can. So doubt means, yes, it can arise. Uh, as this person asks, so what should I do? So how can I then, having dealt with particular manifestations of lust, endure them, not act, distract myself from it, and so on, as long as I didn't act out of it. So now when the mind is free from those particular manifestations of lust, how do I then deal with that dormant possibility of lust manifesting and pressuring me? Uh, and the answer is, when the mind is free from the particular, you know, engagements or preoccupations with lust, uh, and if it's not free, you have to basically endure it through the sense restraint until it calms down, and it, it will have to calm down. So when it calms down temporarily, then you need to make the effort to contemplate the danger in those things that you're currently free from, those, those particular... Uh, infatuations with 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 uh, sense uh, pleasures and so on, uh, because as long as the danger is doesn't become apparent, uh, the dormant lust will still be your framework. So in other words, you will be within the dormant lust that it's waiting to be activated. You won't be stepping outside of its domain. In other words, you won't be free. Uh, you won't be um, in that like a, you won't you won't you won't be safe to put it that way. And uh, it is a question of safety, because uh, as you know, various suttas describe, the whole purpose of sensual pleasures and the lust that they incite and so on, through carelessly attending to them, is to to trap you. It's a it's a trap. It's a bait. Uh, it's a it's a like a fish hook that you don't see, 
that then keeps you bound to, to pretty much everything else that burdens you and overwhelms you and makes your life uh, unpleasant. Including, like, you know, the future possibilities and liabilities to sufferings and so on. So the true freedom then comes from not being pressured by, even by the possibilities of lust. So uh, by, by not having the dormant lust waiting to be activated. And uh, so it's not a matter of choice. You can just decide to not activate the dormant lust. You have to have beforehand been developed in sense restraint, virtue, seeing the dangerous lies, also a certain mode of behavior, uh, of wholesome mode of behavior, has been kind of become your norm. That already, see, implies that you have developed a degree of, of proper recollectedness and watchfulness. So, so you're not forgetting that you're not supposed to give in to lust. You're not lapsing, you're not ignoring it. You're sustaining that context. Uh, you're sustaining the pretty much the reasons why you want to be free from lust. You don't forget that, that actually you already got some idea that it is better to be free from particular lust and dormant lust, that it's better to be free from pressure of the sense desires than to engage with them. But, of course, when they pressure you, you forget uh, your goals, to put it that way, and then you just, you know, go against them. So once you kind of have been developed in terms of your, your behavior, in terms of not acting out of lust, uh, not, uh, not giving in in those uh, course modes that would be against the precepts, then, and as I said, when the mind is not actively gripped by lust, you have to uh, really make the effort and just day in, day out, contemplate the danger of it. So, what would be those, you know, traps, those baits? What are they? What are those dangers of uh, engaging with sense pleasures that, you know, seemingly harm no one, like People enjoy them. You're not causing anybody, anyone else pain and so on. You're just just enjoying sense desires. Yet, the Buddha said, there is an inherent danger, um, uh, a perception of danger that hasn't been developed in regard to it because there is an inherent bait, inherent poison, inherent trap, all these things. And if you were to see that, then the most refined sensual pleasure, doesn't matter on, on what level or scale, will be all seen equally as Peril, unwanted, painful, burning, pressuring, uh, pretty much everything else that you want to avoid. So it's the contemplation of danger. And then, so now you want to ask yourself, so what do I, where do I look for that danger? Like, what do I do? Look at it in my body, look at it in the sense objects. Where is that danger? And that's why the, the contemplation of danger kind of follows after. Uh, the correct, thorough understanding of what actual gratification is. So, that's why understanding the, uh, the gratification, the danger and the escape in regard to sense desires, in regard to one's lust, will free you from it. So, you, you don't have to necessarily just chronologically follow this order, you know. Sometimes the danger will be clearer, sometimes the gratification will be clearer. Either way, whichever way you put uh, forward you will be kind of uh, the, uh, understanding the, 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 the everything else that's included in it. So if you're correctly understanding the danger of sensuality, you are then understanding uh, gratification along the right lines. If you're correctly understanding where gratification is, you are understanding the danger along the, uh, along the right lines. So that's really where the work is. It's not in about like constantly calming these and desires and calming them. That's just, as I said, management. It's when... You have space to think about them when you're when you're not just completely pressured, constantly pressured. Then you can actually um, 
make that effort, that's where the practice is, to contemplate. Do you understand what gratification of sense desires is? What is so? Say you have a you have a desire to, I don't know, eat something agreeable. So you're not hungry, but there is something that, that that's pressuring you to taste it. Let's put it that way. What would gratification be in that instance? What would the principle of gratification be behind that instance? So that then you can understand it in every instance. So if you want to taste something, what part of that experience is the gratification? Is the gratification when you're actually putting the food in your mouth? Is the gratification once you feel the taste and you're chewing it? Or has the gratification begun even in your perception of that which is wanted and that it's pressuring you? So on what level you need to basically learn how to be mindful and not lose sight of in order to recognize what the actual gratification is. Because the common assumption is, oh, gratification is once I get the thing, then I'm gratified. Then my desires are satisfied and so on. But that's not what Buddha said. The gratification in sensuality has nothing to do with you getting in touch with sensuality, touching it, tasting it, smelling it, looking at it. The gratification is on the level of delighting already at the thought of it. So your mental elation, inspiration, um, kind of uplifting towards uh, the, the, sense, the sense object, that's already your gratification. That's already where the danger is. Everything else is secondary. You haven't even tasted that, uh, that thing you want to taste, so you just saw it. You presume that it tastes nice on the basis of its look and the smell and so on. So now you're craving for its taste, but you are not actually tasting it. Yet your mouth is already reacting. Uh, you're fully gripped by the desire as if you are fully already connected with that desirable object. Yet the object of your desire remains in the world untouched. So the body is getting agitated and aroused and, and sort of prepped for engaging with sense objects without even engaging with sense objects. So if gratification were truly on the level of sense objects, that would not be possible. You would not be able to get all these reactions in the body as a result of desire unless you have already touched and contacted the thing that's containing the gratification. So since you are not tasting it, not touching it, not, not looking at it even, yet here you are, gripped by the desire and already feeling elated on account of it and and now you just want to go for it, so to speak. So then you realize that what is commonly assumed as gratification, it's really the result of already, of mind already gripped by the gratification. That's why gratification is insatiable. Because if you, if you take it at face value, the, the delight in the prospect of sensual pleasures, that's it. Your gratification has begun. And that's why it has no end. Because the framework of your mind that wants gratification, the delight, sorry, your mind that wants sensual pleasure, the delights in it, that's the framework of gratification and you agree by it. And you can't fill that in. So it doesn't matter how much you're engaging with things, the framework remains unchanged and it's forcing and pressuring you to engage. So that's it. For as long as you look for the danger of sensuality on the level of the actual objects, you won't find it. You need to look at the level of your delight and your inspiration towards sense objects like and again uh, you would start seeing that if you then make the effort and practice sense restraint then you would see how much the mind 
jumps even just at the mere prospect, at the mere thought, an image of sensual pleasures. Why? Because fundamentally, the value of um, experiencing sense pleasures is not seen as harmful, is not seen as as as, um, as a death, as a dart, as a pain, all the things that the Buddha listed. For as long as you don't see that value of your mental elation towards sense pleasures, if you don't see that as the root of the danger, you will be the victim of it. In other words, you would be basically acting out of it and putting the sense objects that are truly just second as first, as the root of the problem, while the actual root of the problem remains invisible. And then same, because, see, you you think the problem is on the level of sense objects, then you try to counter and look at the, the sense objects you don't want, the, the beautiful, the ugly, hoping that will cancel the beautiful, but then you just end up being equally attracted, elated, wanting to further gratify the ugly. Because any sense object basically just starts serving the purpose of the framework of gratification that you are still very much holding on to uh, and fueling through your careless attention. Careless attention means uh, uh, putting the first, putting second is first and first and second. That's why Ioniso. Yoniso Manasikara, the, the, the wise attention, the proper attention, means seeing things in the right order. Seeing first is first and second is second. That's why it's a necessary prerequisite for the right view. Ioniso means basically attending wrongly, attending that which is second as the first, as the reason. But it would on numerous occasions said that um, sense objects, beautiful sense objects, are not uh, a desire, are not sensuality in the world. It's man's desire and lust, his thoughts of desire and lust. That's why there is sensuality in regard to beautiful things in the world. He, the Tathagata, has freed himself from such thoughts, <laughs> such elations, such delights. Uh, he freed himself from gratification through understanding the danger of it. Thus, for him, beautiful things just remain standing in the world, but there is no desire therein. Um, so that's the contemplation. You need to understand what gratification is. You need to start discerning uh, that mental delight, which is the background, pretty much, of your experience when you are gripped by the senses, uh, by the prospect of the pleasure. See, that delight is not there as the object of what you're doing. That's your state of mind. So, yes, you, you might be attracted by sight, sound, smell, taste, touches, but you actually recognize peripherally, oh, is there an elation in my mind at the thought of a pleasing sight? That's the danger. That's what I must not welcome, further delight, accept, act out of. Sight, sound, smell, taste, touches, then become truly seen in the right place as secondary. Of course, first you need to restrain in regard to those, as I keep repeating, because unless you're restrained in regard to sight, sound, smell, taste, touches, you're not going to see what's peripheral to them because you don't even see them. And you don't see them because at the slightest touch of the pressure, you act towards them. So, but, you know, we're presupposing that that's, that has been developed and sustained and protected. Then actually you can get to recognize that it's that mental elation, that zeal. That's why in, in Pali, the word for desire... Chanda, it's often used for zeal, just in general, good zeal, in a way. Um, so you have this, any, any like a zeal towards sense, obje uh, sense objects to, 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 that you can gain the pleasure from, yeah, that's basically what that, what that lust, what that desire is, and uh, that delight that the Buddha talks about, and that's something you have to become familiar and discern even before it takes over you, 
and it, on that level you will be able to then see the danger. Then the danger is, we say, we become apparent. Because the danger are not the objects. That's why, no matter how much you tr- how hard you're trying to see the danger in the objects, it's always kind of secondary. It's always kind of lasts for a while, but then it expires. It doesn't really fit with it. It doesn't really apply because that's not where it's supposed to apply. The danger is on the level of the gratification. So once you start understanding what the actual gratification of sensuality is, you then get to see, ah, that's the danger, that's the bait, that's the trap, that's the matter. If I just keep an eye uh, on that level and not allow my mind to jump, jump at the prospect of elation, at the prospect of that central zeal and delight, I'm safe. Nothing else that used to follow can befall me. It's just impossible. And the clearer that becomes, then the clearer the danger of accepting it becomes as well. And then you fully understood the escape too. See, the escape, it means protecting that mind. That, uh, so to not jump at the prospect of zeal, delight, uh, acceptance, inspiration towards central pleasures. Um, and uh, if you protect it, you will be free eventually. How long it will take depends how much you were dependent on the central pleasures. But eventually you will be free from that pressure because that pressure actually, pressure of sensuality or sensuality in itself, requires fueling, requires you accepting, requires that zeal renewing each time, sort of when you choose to give in and kind of, you know, let it run its course until you can get, until you squeeze all the pleasure out that you can from from things that that incite you. Uh, But see, that's the fuel that then perpetuates. Perpetuates the pressure, makes it it stronger, makes it... um, sort of uh, harder to see because it increases the burden of it. So, you, you, you know, your perspective is basically shrinking. The more you give in to sensuality, the harder it will be to give it up later on. Same like with any other addiction. So, understanding the gratification that is on the level of delight in sensuality, whether you engage with it or not, that's, that's secondary. The delight means you're already trapped. Uh, and then... Seeing that, exactly. Delight means I'm already trapped, means, oh, that's the danger. So if you understand the gratification, you are understanding the danger. Then by being mindful of the danger, you will not set your foot in the trap. And that's how you escape the trap. So understanding danger, understanding gratification, danger and the escape in regard to sensuality will completely remove any basis for for further fueling of, of your sense, uh, of your dependence on sensual pleasures. And then you will be free from it. And then there will be no more dormant things lying around there because, again, you, you, you cease to fuel them and they would have uh, faded away. Those, those dormant possibilities of engaging with lust, doesn't matter how subtle, how dormant they are, fundamentally, they, you, only, you can only engage with them through mental zeal, acceptance, um, inspiration, delight, welcoming of such thoughts. That's your gratification. And if you lose mindfulness in regard to it, that's how these dormant things become activated. So, um, hence, again, go back to the, uh, the, the, the sense restraints, seeing the danger in the slightest fall, watchfulness, i.e. recollectedness, recognizing like, oh, okay, I'm free from lust now, but can lust arise in me? Later on today or tomorrow, can things um, become activated as as the original question says, and uh, would I know like how to how to deactivate it? So and again, that's another thing that we would say: Do I know how to um, 
prevent non-arisen lust from arising or how to make the arisen lust, dis uh, lust disappear. Because again, the arisen lust doesn't need to uh, run its course before it disappears. The arisen lust is activated because you plugged it in. Let's say like that. It's active because it's plugged in. Plugged into what? Into your framework of delight and gratification. Of your zeal, of your value of the pleasure. That's what gives it life, keeps it active, keeps it alive, keeps it pressuring you. So at any given time, theoretically at least, you can see that that's the root of the problem and that that's the danger. And by seeing that, you have unplugged it. And then the, the whatever pressuring sense objects that were pressuring you with lust will be just seen as just objects, matter, form, perceptions, and so on. The work then is on the level of not just sort of constantly like calming your mind, calming your mind, calming your mind, calming your mind, because that pretty much requires the disturbance in order to calm it, and disturbs and gets this calm. So it's only uh, calming your mind, it's just managing it, not uprooting it. The work is when you are su sufficiently calm, when I say that, and by that I mean when you have enough space to stop and think about it, when you're not just bombarded by sight, sound, smell, taste, touches, then the actual work is thinking about it, making the effort to not just discern this uh, gratification and, and inspiration and zeal and delight once or twice, no, hundreds of times, just keep doing it. Keep discerning, and if it's clear, then sustain that clarity. Keep that context. Okay, so now it's clear. This is my gratification. Because if it's clear, means you're mindful of it. Means now you don't need to think about it directly, because now you're clear that it's your relation, that's where the gratification is. So there is no elation now. There is no elation now. You go about your day. Elation pops up. You will immediately see it. You will immediately see the manifestation of a trap. The danger will be immediately recognized, and that's enough. Oh, I must know you don't need to get rid of the trap. See, in order to get rid of the trap, you'll be reaching for a trap and get trapped. The whole point is, as the Buddha often say in numerous suttas, is to learn how to basically go around the trap, not engage with things that will trap you, not not eat the food that contains the bait. Doesn't mean you 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 mustn't look or smell or taste or touch anything else. But it's that gratification and delight, and zeal, and inspiration, that's the bait. So that pretty much then determines whether you should engage with things or not. Because, again, something externally might not necessarily be um, against the precepts. Like, like for example, yeah, so eating, eating something that you want to taste is not against the precepts if it's within the right time. But you are fully, like... Uh, oriented with that uh, gratification and zeal towards it. And that's why you shouldn't do it. Not because an object in itself is good or bad. It's because now it is rooted in clear um, furthering of my already gripping, gripped mind by gratification and, uh, and that delight and zeal and welcoming and I want it. So you are now fully activated um, in that state of lust and that's why it's a problem. And that's why you shouldn't do it and instead contemplate the danger, not in the cake or whatever you want to eat, but the danger in the state of a mind affected with that desirous zeal. That's the danger, that's the trap, that's the framework. Again, I'm repeating the same. Um, then on another occasion, you might not have that present at all. It's, just, it's still factually agreeable taste. You still factually want to eat it, but there is no zeal. And how do you know that? Well, you know that if you don't eat it, 
not, your mental composure will not change. If something would happen to it, if you were to give it away, if something else to it, nothing would change internally. So there is no zeal, there is no inspiration, there is no, there is no chanda towards it. And then you can eat it because you're not acting out of desire. 